Before we get into this week's M and M and M across the board podcast, we've got to give love to our sponsors, and that's Tech East Fire and Water Restoration, your best way back to normal, tefirewater.com. If you have water damage, mold damage, fire damage at your home, and you're looking for a place to help you through this, Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. Visit them on Facebook and TE Fire Water. Check them out there. Visit their store on Central Avenue. And shout out to my guy, Mike Corda, one of the owners of the Albany Empire. If you want to show love to a local guy who brought back a local team, the place for you is Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. Your best way back to normal, TEFireWater.com. And also, they've been proud sponsors of all the Godzilla Media podcasts this summer. And Friday, August 27th, LeVac and Gaz, my partner Jeff LeVac and I are back live on location at Hooters on Wolf Road in Albany. Join us from 5 to 7. We'll be broadcasting live if you can't make it on the Tech East Fire and Water Restoration Facebook page. So give them a like and a follow today. Also on the Godzilla Media YouTube page. And if you're a fantasy football fan, you'll hear about some of our picks. Our guy Sean Miller, who's off on this week's episode of Eminem and M across the board. He's a part of the Fantasy Football League, so... He's already told me he's going to pick a lot of Raiders. Him and LeVac will be battling. But join us live with a lot of cool things, surprises, and more in store for you next Friday. Live, Hooters, Wolf Road, LeVac and Goss. Thanks to Techies Fire and Water Restoration. Now, on to this week's episode of the M and M and M Across the Board Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into M and M and M Across the Board. I'm Ashley Miller. That's Eric McDowell. And that's, Sh- n- nope, not Sean Martin. A, a different looking Sean Martin. That's Joe Calderon. JC, what's up, my brother? What's up, Miller time? Listen, before we started taping this thing, I said, not that I cannot get enough of Ashley Miller. I see you frequently, but I haven't seen this guy in a long time. This could be an emotional show for me. You know what I mean? It's been a while since I've seen Eric McDowell. To our growing fan base, uh, Joe Calderon is one of the most introverted, quiet uh, television personalities (laughs) I have ever worked with. Not! (laughs) <laughs> Great to have you as our Joan Rivers for the Tonight Show. Yes, I've yeah, never been described as mousy. That's, we're really going to have no. to pull the words out of America. It's going to be tough today. <laughs> right. yes. uh, for those of you who don't know Joe, a little bit of an intro. Longtime career in radio, sports television. We used to work together. He now owns his own video production company, In It to Win It Productions, and a website, Capital Region Sportsnet. Check it out for all of your live streaming needs, any video production needs you, you need. He does it all. He does it all. Bar mitzvahs, graduations, you know, yeah. whatever you get. All of whatever it. I know you need. do. We do it. I know you Have do. Food and Eric will Mc- come. Yes. <laughs> Have food will come. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Eric Miguel has worked in collegiate and professional sports communication, all three levels of the NCAA, also in the NBA. We know that. Eric, what's up, buddy? Good to see you, folks. As always. And I'm Ashley Miller, of course. Uh, I work at Channel 13 Sports, reporter, anchor, videographer. And this is week four, I think, for us of across the board. So let's get it going. We'll we'll kind of go all over the place. I would say we kind of go across the board. Uh, we're going to start with Field of Dreams and branch that into all-time best sports movies. We'll get kind of crazy with that. Uh, Mr. Eric McDowell is wearing that shirt for a reason. We're going to get into easiest, toughest, draining jobs of officials across all sports. And Mr. Joe Calderon will handle... Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love controversy, and we'll go into, again, those rookie quarterbacks after uh, week one of the preseason. So let's start with the Field of Dreams, guys. This was so freaking cool, I thought. Um, I thought it's one of the coolest events that Major League Baseball has ever done, in my opinion. Um, Everything about it was top-notch. Costner coming back, them walking through the cornfields, 
the retro unis. What did you guys think? Love it, hate it, want more, or should it be a one-time thing? Go ahead, Joe. I absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. The only thing that I that I had an issue with, uh, because I like to be the voice of the people, uh, that, that and I knew this was going to happen, right? An event like this is going to cost you an arm and a leg to go to it because uh, there's limited seating. So mm -hmm. I had a problem with pricing, but if you could afford it and you wanted to go, find me. Personally, I was like, eh, it's a little bit too much. What I what I loved about it was is that I hope it opens the door for other sports to kind of do this stuff. Like how cool would it be to have a regular season basketball game? I don't even know the name of the arena, but in Hoosiers, right? Mm -hmm. have people rocking hickory jerseys. Yep. Like I think that would be really cool. So I feel like the Field of Dreams game, the cool part about it is, is that it could lend to other sports trying to go do this, um, you know, and, and I'm trying to think of like, what could be for football? Um, I don't know, but like miracle. How neat would it be to have a regular yep, season classy. NHL game in Lake Placid at the Herb Brooks Arena? Yeah, so that's what I loved about it. I thought it was, and then of course the walk off. Mm -hmm. You know, and, yeah, and, and I, I mean, come on, you, you can't script it. Yep, exactly. So I I loved it, and you know, again, you start to when we talk about pro athletes, we always go to the money, but in that moment, you see Yankees coming out of the dugout, and and you're like, you know, when they're in that moment, they are like kids. Mind you, they're six, eight, 250 pound kids, but you know, I just thought, I thought it was really cool. The first ever major league game in Iowa. And, and, you know, Ashley, I'm a baseball historian. I love to go you back are. and I thought well, they, they never played a game in Iowa in the major leagues. And I thought it was tremendous. I really, I think this is Rob Manfred's shining moment. He yep. hasn't had any moments at all, as far as we're <laughs> concerned, but this really stood out. Even the look of the wood and, and of course, Costner, we talked about, this a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, you hope that him, James Earl Jones, that these guys would come back. And he looked like a kid again. Mm -hmm. And when I, I read that when he did a tour of the field as they were doing a light test, he, he started saying the memorable lines right out of his heart because it was fantastic. I liked the comments from Judge where they were riding in on the bus. If you look at the overheads that night, there's nothing out there. And a good point that uh, Judge made is that we're driving in and normally, you know, these guys are listening to their headphones and they're in a big city somewhere or an airport. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you know, I've never seen corn. I've never seen this. It was in the middle of nowhere. And yet Dyersville, Iowa is somewhere now. I, I thought it was fantastic. And Joe, to your point, great idea do an NBA game at the site of Hoosiers. You know, yeah. we've seen the winter classic with hockey. Um, but I think uh, overall, actually, it was just a tremendous thing. And I really enjoyed Liam Hendricks talking and the players felt uh, like they were back in the minors. And the last piece I'd say would be the lottery for uh, residents of Iowa. You yeah. read the quotes of people or the local here in Usher that uh, got selected to work the game. But for the people of Iowa, all we ever hear about them is a presidential primary. And now here we are hearing those wonderful people winning lottery tickets to be there. That was a very nice touch. And Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Locally, yes. 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 Yeah, and I loved, too, what was cool about it. Like, this is a town of 45, 4,600 people. The game had 8,000 people at it. So you're like immediately doubling the population of this town just by having this game, which is wild to think about. Like we, we couldn't even wrap our minds around 4,500 people. We probably have 4,500 people in the town of like Malta. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like it's just or wild. Rob Alvin. 
Yeah, it, there you go. How many people are in Broad Alban? Do you know? Uh, well, they say 16,000. Oh, so. I but mean, I only know like four of them. But but think that's, about that. Like a quarter of the population of Broad Alban. Like that's unbelievable to think yeah, about. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, this got me thinking, guys. So like I'm a terrible movie watcher in terms of watching stuff that I should have watched. So Field of Dreams for me was a late watch in life. I probably watched it. I'm going to say like three years ago was the first time I had ever seen it. So when people talked about Field of Dreams, it was like, eh, I don't really know. I've never seen it. And it was one of those that people were like, what? You've never seen Field of Dreams? I'm like, I know, I know, I know. So I finally did watch it. And I kind of wish I had watched it earlier because I feel like it may have had a little bit more of an effect like on me longer ago. Now you get so far removed from movies and it just feels like everything's like a little bit cheesy. And that happens with all movies. But where does that movie rank for you guys in terms of, you know, why you loved it or how it affected you as like a young kid growing up with a father playing baseball, any of that stuff? It, I thought uh, of, of all the movies, uh, baseball, and there's been some really good ones all the way back to Abe and things like that. Of course, the Jackie Robinson movie recently was tremendous, but mm-hmm. um, I did see it when it first came out because I've always loved baseball and I was captivated because uh, Ray Liotta for playing Joe Jackson, the story about Joe Jackson. That was the reason that and so that the book was written, to be honest. But um, baseball is something that for many years, it was the sport in this country, Ashley, and everybody could play it. Uh, I had a brick wall in my front yard that I had a rubber ball and I was an infielder and I pretended to be Brooks Robinson. And that I say pretended, obviously. But I hope that this game brings baseball back Uh, And I'm glad that the Little League World Series is just a few weeks after that, because Mm -hmm. we need kids to be able to see what a wonderful sport it can be and uh, get them out of their uh, room, get them off the device, get out in the yard and play catch with your dad, with anybody. It's a very special sport. It needs some love. This movie did that when it came out. It's done it again. And uh, any of us that drive west, I think I said before, actually, is that Joe, anytime we want to make a road trip, and if you're driving to San Jose, you got to go to Dyersville. You walk on the field, and with perfect strangers, you're playing catch. That's what this movie has done. Okay, so now after Eric waxed poetically about this, <laughs> I, I, I liked Field of Dreams, but it did not solicit really any emotions. I just thought it was a really good movie. Yep. Um, I'm a big Kevin Costner fan. I love Costner. Um, yeah, uh, my dad is of uh, Sicilian uh, descent, uh, so uh, there wasn't much baseball throwing around. It was more probably you like play football. Yeah, well, yeah, and he couldn't understand the difference between football, right, and football. He was like, that, that, that's handball. I'm like, no, handball is <laughs> something completely different. Yeah, uh, right. you know, you're trying sure. to explain it, but it is a great movie. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those where I watched. I mean, I know that we're gonna, probably going to talk about movies mm-hmm. uh, that that we are our top three or top five. Yeah. Eric, don't hate me. It's not in my top three or top five. It's okay. a good sports movie, uh, yeah. and like you said, it, it means different things to different people. But it was. I just love the fact that Major League Baseball was smart enough to pay homage to to it. It was genius. And again, we're we're talking about Field of Dreams again because of this. Correct. So I think that I think the exactly. creators, I think Kevin Costner's now like yep. it's relevant again. Again, this is an entire generation. Field of Dreams came out more than thirty years ago. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. Most of these guys that are playing weren't even born yet. No, 
So now they're like, oh, and you know that they're going to go back now. And if they haven't watched it, will. So it reintroduces this back to the back to the masses. And I think that's I think that's the value. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried because it's so unique and because how much can you really change it year after year other than changing the teams? I'm a little bit worried that the nostalgia is going we'll to go wear away. off and people aren't going to care about it. They will next year. It'll be awesome for the players because hopefully they'll give every team a chance to do this. Like Cubs Reds next year. I'm glad they picked two new teams because it will be very cool for those players to be part of that. But like, is it going to be as cool for us to watch it again next year? I mean, I guess we watch games in the same stadiums every day. Maybe it's not quite as unique and maybe we don't talk about it every year like we are now. Um, but I think it'll be cool for those players to all get a crack at it. Or maybe they try to dig a little bit. And again, it's been such a long time since I've watched Bull Durham. But, you know, find that stadium. You know, mm -hmm. try to like maybe some of the minor league stadiums, you know, like, you know, play it, play at Joe Bruno one year, um, you know, <laughs> for selfish reasons. Um, yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think these things, what makes it neat is, is that, you know, oh, let me rephrase that. I think eventually it will lose its its luster because, for example, with the NHL Classic, when that first came out, a hockey game, New Year's Day, outdoors, right? Wow, this is amazing. It's still neat, but it isn't clearly as cool as it was when, when you first did it. it right. That's everything in life, right? The first time you do it, oh, my God, it's amazing. And then it starts to, okay, it's, it's tradition and it's neat. And if you get to go to it and see it in person – that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, but well, hopefully they can come up. They got, a, they got a lot of money and they got a lot of creative minds. So hopefully they can do something to freshen that concept up. I, I'll i never forget. And I think you guys were there. But uh, when a person that I was working for at a college said, uh, we're going to be playing Harvard and ice hockey at a different site. And I thought, well, that's great. Never in my wildest dreams as a kid growing up on Cape Cod until he opened his mouth and said at Fenway Park, ice hockey. It was like, what? Yeah. What? And I will never forget it. In fact, I was at the NCAA for meetings, flew in, walked on the field. And I've been on that field before in other cases, like my uncle in the state house played in a game there, et cetera. But to see that and then to see alumni playing on that rink and that game that night, it was surreal. So I agree, Joe, you know, it's hard to change up, but the Winter Classic, there's so many places that it can go mm -hmm. and so many fans that can't uh, get a ticket in Detroit or Toronto. Yeah. Now you can put 80,000 in there, yeah. but it, it is really remarkable. And I think that is probably Bettman's, one of his best achievements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the toughest part about those games is always the weather. Like, the sun's too bright. We got to delay the game for three hours. It always is, like, the hardest because you have to do it in a cold-weather city, and it's got to be just perfect, which is crazy. Well, like, yeah, like Ashley Lake Tahoe. That's a perfect yep. example of what they dealt with. Didn't they yeah. have to postpone the game? Because well, wasn't the ice? Yeah. Wasn't, it was thawing? It was soft. Like, yeah, they had to, like, play it at night after, like, I mean, eight hours later. It was, it was wild. You really want to throw people for a loop? One year, do it in Cancun. I'd watch that water skis. Yeah, you have yeah. to play that bubble hockey game in a That's bar. Yeah, you might as well play street hockey at yeah. that point. Everybody That's on jet funny. skis. Yeah, <laughs> Joe, you said it's not in your top five. It's just inside my top five, I think. But I'll be interested to see where you fall, Eric, because. I think Joe and I, listen, I'm going to have a few more modern movies, probably like modern day that maybe other people wouldn't appreciate so much. 
Joe has a different sense of humor than, than we do. So I think he'll have a few different ones. E, what's in your, give us like your top three, you know, all time great sports movies that you love and why? Well, I'll go backwards to the top from yeah. the natural Robert Redford. Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. It, it was a realistic yet fantasy story, but just incredible. And when you go to the Hall of Fame and you see that bat, that's what's great about sports Hall of Fames is that you can go to different ones and they'll have something from the movie. But I always love The Natural. I could watch it anytime and still enjoy it. Then I'm going to go back in time a little bit. We won't touch on Field of Dreams, but Raging Bull. Okay. Yep. Now, I say that because of the story of Jake LaMotta, but because of Robert De Niro has to be one of the most incredible actors ever. Now, people think of him now as more the mafioso, you know, I'm going to take you out stuff. But just watch him in that movie, and it will put you in put him in perspective of the talent that he had and the incredible honors that he won. I think he did win the Academy Award, but Raging Bull, yeah. never been a boxing fan, but that movie's great. And the two others I would throw in would tie in with Rocky, uh, obviously, uh, more modern, but just this, the love story there and the challenges that he faced. And, of course, when you're in Philadelphia, up and down the stairs we go. Again, a place where you can bring that movie back to life. To me, might be surprising as Hoosiers. Hmm. Absolutely amazing. Again, when you've got a tremendous actor, a lead in that, like you did uh, Dean Hackman and, and the story there of Hoosiers, that state is basketball. Always yeah. was, always will be. And everybody in that state must have watched it a thousand times. Uh, sports is a great feature for movies. Because usually you're going to expect the win, but sometimes you get a loss. Mm -hmm. But you do find out the stories behind the scenes and the, all the effort that goes into it. And lastly, a lot of these brought people like managers, coaches, or, you know, in the boxing movies, the guy behind the scenes, um, the Burgess Meredith, the people that also make those athletes great. Love it. I, I got work to do on that. I haven't seen Bull Durham, which is sad. I haven't seen Raging Bull. Um so I got some work to do. I haven't even seen The Natural. So I haven't really seen any of your movies, Eric, which is kind of disappointing. Chris, you're so busy. I've seen Hoosiers, though, which is great. Now, I'll tell you, by the way, De Niro's birthday was just the other day. Oh. Yeah, he's 78 years old. Um, so for me, Rocky, I mean, come on. I, all, all of them except for five, okay? <laughs> five was kind of – that was um, Tommy Morrison – that one was a little bit too far-fetched for me. But Rocky's one, two, three, four, skip five, and then Rocky Balboa, and then all that stuff. Like, any of the Rockies, I love it. Okay. You're in. I, I'm, I'm totally in. Um, remember the Titans. That ah, is, like, great. Ashley knows my family is a big football family. Um, I, and I tell a funny story. So um, back in the days when I was uh, finishing up my uh, bachelor's degree from Plattsburgh State University, um, I would work uh, summers at my family's pizza place and we had a TV on the one side of the pizza place. And at night when we were cleaning up and we'd get done, it would be me, my brothers and some of my buddies who played football. These guys, they fancy themselves big, tough guys. And so uh, we would hang out. We'd either play uh, Sega Genesis or we'd watch movies on VHS. And uh, one of the movies we would watch would be remember the Titans. And I always remember, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had to wipe tears, especially the part when they win the state championship. Right. And Bertier, you know, I'm talking about Bertier, the linebacker, yep. he's in the bed cause he's paralyzed after the car accident. And he's like, ah, 
ah, you know, and he's going nuts. And all you hear is, <clears throat> and nobody will, <laughs> no one will look at each other. You're right. Don't None look. of us are looking at each other. No. no. And then after it's like, <clears throat> yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, they won a state championship. That was awesome, right? Yeah. Football. Um, so that's on my list. So we got Rocky, remember the Titans, and Rudy. Okay. Okay. I just uh, very the, nice. The scene where he's just he's getting ready to quit. And I always forget the guy who played, remember the, the show Rock on Fox way back in the day? Yep. And he's like, You're gonna quit. I mean, you're five foot nothing. A hundred and nothing that clearly speaks to someone like me. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can do it someday. And so, uh, I mean, and the fact that it was based on a true story, um, you know, uh, those, those are my top three, but then there's like three A and B and C, you know, miracle. I absolutely loved, uh, Friday night lights. Mm Um, you know, uh, so yeah, that's, and that's what makes the sports movies tough. Because there's so many good so many ones. Good. Yeah. You could do a top 20. Yep. Some are going to get left out. And then you have the the comedic. Yep. The, the, the comedy sports movies, right? Major League, yeah. Basketball, which I loved. That might not be uh, everyone's uh, cup of yeah, tea. Yeah, 4K. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, there's this. Yeah. So those are my that, I got – so, like, my, my tide for third would be Field of Dreams – and a league of their own, just because of what a league of their own meant to like as a female, it's just kind of cool and different. And I loved it. And Hanks is great in that movie. Um, Miracles two for me, Joe. Uh, and then remember the Titans is one for me. So there are so many that I feel like I left out. Like I went and looked at like a Rolling Stone top 20 and some other list of top 50. Remember the Titans was nowhere on there. And so it's so funny how you think of like different people just feel different ways about, about movies, but yeah, remember the Titans is one of the all-time best for me as well. I mean, at the Ashley, end, I, I you're a Hall of Famer two. in my book. Come on, yeah. Actually, I've got two that that were funny that can't make that, and that and the name uh, escapes me. But Jimmy Fallon's uh, movie about Fenway oh, uh, yeah. through Barrymore yes. that was funny. It's Wasn't not it? like and, uh, pitch pitch perfect, perfect per, or pitch yes. fever fever pitch. Pitch. Fever. Beaver pitch, yeah. Beaver pitch. As a that was awful. All of us. Yeah. It, it's amazing how that was the year they broke the curse. What? Mm. How was that possible? Okay, yeah. they had to rewrite it because they're not going to lose after all, which is normally the case. But they won the World Series that year and had to rewrite a movie, so they brought it to life. And the other is Tin Cup. For those of us who play yep. golf and is sitting staring at water and are playing a pretty good round. We can do it. We can do it. I mean, Jim Nance was amazing because yeah. you could hear the frustration and the caddy. Those are funny movies, but Tin Cup, every time I'm on the course, I say to myself, I can't do that. T- take the bogey and be happy. <laughs> Listen, my all-time favorite sports movie, and I said this, I was like, I had to kind of specify one versus the other and put them into categories because one of my favorite movies ever, I will watch it every time it comes on, is Happy Gilmore. Every time. I know almost every word of the whole movie it would be my all-time favorite sports movie, but I was like, I understand the difference between like Academy Award-winning stuff and just like stuff for me to laugh at and whatever. So for that, for me, Happy Gilmore is the all-time great. And then I came up with a couple movies, and I think this is probably, you guys will laugh, but this was like, these movies all came out within like a year of one another. And I love baseball, like softball. That was my sport growing up. So these three movies were super influential just as to like how I viewed the sport and the sports world in general. And they're not 
I mean, listen, The Sandlot is an all-time great movie. So The Sandlot is one of them. The same year Rookie of the Year came out, Henry Rowan Godna, which was like as a kid, like the idea that he breaks his arm and throws a billion miles an hour for the Cubs was really cool. And Angels in the Outfield came out the year after um, with Danny Glover. And those three movies for me were like, they got me hooked because I loved them so much and I had already loved baseball. So those three like were in the prime of like my formative years. Those three for me like pretty much did it in terms of making me a sports fan. You know what's another one? Angels in the Outfield was that old logo, right? With the white the wing. Old, on the, yep, yeah. Yep. Remember they wore that for about 10 minutes? Yeah. Yep. The one that I, uh, God rest his I love him. He's one of my favorite comedic actors, Bernie Mac. Remember Mr. 3000? Yep. I love that movie. Yep. I loved that movie. That was great. Uh, there's yep. so, the funny part is there are so many sports yep. movies. You know, I know, and you know this, uh, Ash, I get, I, sometimes I'll veer off, right? You got to kind of get me back in. Um, I, I, we were li- listing off some of these movies and speaking of Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner, he's done a lot of sports movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Field of Dreams, was it Draft Day? Yeah, um, I mean, that wasn't any good. But it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, for the Love of the Game. Yeah. Lo- for the Love one. of the Game was fantastic. Yep. And um, Dennis Quaid did The Rookie, and those know, guys are like sort of interchangeable for me. Yeah. And so, don't you think that he broke the barrier because when Kevin Costner, he didn't want that role. Hollywood, they said it's a death net. You're not going to take any sports movies. You're not going to win awards. It was taboo to do sports movies for some yeah. reason. And they had to talk him into it, and he opened the door. And now he's the one that you think of. But so many other actors now, I mean, Fallon, you can have fun with a sports movie. There's no question. But it used to be taboo. Yep. And I think it, it also opens, like, it doesn't have to be your favorite sport. Like, hockey's not my favorite sport, and yet Slapshot and Mighty Ducks, like all those movies, Miracle – I, I love all those movies. You don't have to love a sport or be a sports fan to enjoy these movies, and I think that's how they get you. Listen, there's the, I, I can't tell you how many times um, when I've had a free second, I'll get on YouTube, right, especially around Winter Olympic time, and I go right to the Herb Brooks speech. Ten out of ten times, we play them. <laughs> they beat us nine, but not tonight. And you're like, yeah! go get them. Yep. Um, you know, you just, oh my God. You know, it's just that there are so many great like sports movies. That's why like, it's fun debate, you yep. know, move yeah. the pieces around, but you know, it's almost impossible to do a top three. I mean, it makes it fun to yeah. where you have to choose. Right. But uh, like I said, you could do a top 25 and you're leaving really good ones out. No doubt. Really quick, Ashley, about <coughs> the last piece for me on this promise is that, we know about the movie Slapshot. Well, I worked mm-hmm. for a minor league hockey team, and it turned out that the head coach and the assistant of our team in Lowell, that later came to Albany, were in the movie Slapshot. Bruce Boudreau later became an NHL coach of the Caps in the Wild. He was in it. He's a guy that scored like three goals, number seven on the green team. And the other was Steve Sterling, who was on it for about one second. So on each road trip, I demanded that we had to play the movie and pause to see them. And that was pretty cool. We got great press from it, but uh, awesome. Boudreaux finally said enough of this. We don't want to see them with that bad language in Slapshot. Because <laughs> you don't hear it on the ice. No. Right. <laughs> uh, if you're watching, this is Eminem and M. You can find us on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at MMMATB1. Eminem and M across the board. We've got a guest host down there, Mr. Joe Calderon. That's Eric McDowell. And Eric's got uh, an interesting outfit on over there. It's not Halloween. I believe it's August, so you're a little bit early, but you want to 
let the people know what this is all about, sir? Well, our weekly hat, Ashley, is for you. Yes. Do you know the college? It's out west. Do you know what Arizona. college this is? Arizona. Arizona. Very good. Not the state, <laughs> but Arizona, the home of Courtney Kardashian, Kristen Wiig, and Bob Dole, the former longtime senator. Rob Gronkowski. Uh, today I wear it in tribute to Ashley for her work recently with our charity event and uh -huh. for all she does. So the A is for you, but now I'm a ref. Got to be neutral. It's very okay. kind of you. So the topic today is... I'm going to say what I think is the toughest, most physical job for referees, officials, or umps, okay? I don't wear this too often. It gets a little tight. It shrinks in the closet. Now, to me, without a doubt, the toughest job for anybody is a National Hockey League linesman, okay? This is about physical. So think about this, Joe, too. An NHL linesman, fast skating, mm -hmm. no breaks. Not the ref, okay? The ref walks around, you know, and but it's the linemen that have to go down, get the puck, bring it back, and icing, drop this, switch sides, okay? Very difficult. There's no line change for refs. They're out there the whole time. When there's a TV break, they grab a little water, but they don't get to sit. There's no line change. And the toughest part, too, is you break up the fights, <laughs> now, in old-time hockey, they were shorter, but they were big guys, big hands, Ted Lindsay, and people like that. And these guys are pretty strong, too. There was a fellow named Kevin Collins, a linesman, who was built like an upside-down pyramid because you've got to break up the fights while the ref is over there going, oh, yeah, he gets two minutes, he gets five, he's gone. They don't even help the linesman. And as you know, we've worked two games that went in college about six, seven overtimes, and the poor linesman, you know, there were no extra ones in the place, even though it was a playoff game. And what we did during one of the intermissions is we sent a kid out to go get Whoppers from Burger King to feed the linesman because these guys were fried. I've never seen linesmen so happy before. So bar none, no other sport, even close. Now, the easiest to me is a right field umpire in the playoffs. Okay? Now, the day before, you're behind the plate. But from a physical standpoint, I mean, Joe West is not the best in shape. He's a hell of a Hall of Fame umpire. But after you do the plate, you get right field, not even third, but right field in the playoffs. So that's the reward. And occasionally you may have the Steve Bartman issue, but that's once an yeah. eternity. So to me, easiest job physical wise would definitely be right field up in the playoffs. So, Ashley, I'm going to ask you, I did the physical side, yep. mentally. What would you say mentally would be the toughest? To get that answer, we want to share a word from the people that support this podcast. Mohawk Honda selection is king this summer. No matter where you're listening to this podcast, whether it's in Glens Falls, Watertown, Syracuse, Geneva, make the road trip to Glenville, New York to stop at a Mohawk Honda. How many times this summer have you been sitting in your ride and thinking, it's time for an upgrade, but you just can't find the vehicle that you want? Mohawk Honda, known for this selection. Selection is king. So many things have changed the last year and a half, but Mohawk Honda is going to have exactly what you want. And more importantly, you're going to trade in your vehicle and get the price that you deserve back. Trust me, I know about Mohawk Honda. I've been working with the whole crew over there. Shout out to Greg Johnson and Cam McKenna. Say what's up to my guy Andy Geltro. I just saw the other day. The whole Mohawk family, if you don't know about it, the Herodin family has been a part of the Capital Region for so many years, decades, and they truly treat you like family. Does a family feel there? They always go out of their way to please you. I've been driving my pilot around the capital region. If you know from hitting the roads in Syracuse, I was not known for having a nice vehicle. The pilot's the best ride I've ever had. Have that same type of bragging right for yourself. Make the change today. Have the road trip to the capital region. Syracuse fans, especially if you're listening, 
is worth the drive east. Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Now, again, Syracuse fan, if you're listening, there's a very popular barbecue place you might know about in downtown Syracuse that is about a block away from Johnstone Supply here on 6th Avenue in Troy. And if you're looking to make that change for your home, whether it's heating, ventilation, or more, Johnstone Supply is the place for you. My guy, George, has been running the place for a family-owned business for decades. Now you can work with people that you can trust when you're making that move. By the way, right now in store, Fujitsu Duckless splits energy-saving ultra-low temperature models and can operate up to negative 15 degrees Fahrenheit. They're also carrying the new J-Series. We're talking the VRF systems for even more flexibility for your home and efficiency. So make that change today. And the Westinghouse made by Fujitsu also available for you for that more basic cost-efficient option for your home. If you're looking to make that change, the upgrade we're talking about, making sure your home is best up to what it needs to be, the place to make that change is Johnstone Supply in Troy. Check out their website today, johnstonesupply.com, or give them a call. If you're road tripping in the Capital Region, the number's 518-272-5922. Road trip, grab some wonderful things to eat, and then stop at a Johnstone Supply and Troy. Support our sponsors here on Constantly Media. Getting there with God. Syracuse fans, Glens Falls fans, and more. One more time for the number for Johnstone Supply in Troy on 6th Ave. 518-272-5922. Now, back to this week's episode of the M and M&M Across the Board podcast. Yeah, Eric, I believe, I, I agree with you on physical too, just real quick. Like, think about an NHL, whether it's a linesman, just an NHL referee at all, it you have to have a unique skill set, and that is the ability to skate. Like, in no other sport, as a referee, do you have to be able to do anything other than, like, stand on your feet or jog slash run. So, like... Yeah, like, oh, no. You gotta, not, you gotta be yeah. a fast skater. Yep. Not anyone can be an NHL linesman, which is, is pretty cool. Uh, mentally, and I'll say, like, I think I'll rival you a little bit with, with toughest job in all of sports, specifically mentally, is a home plate up. I mean especially now. And I say this, like we talked about this off camera before that stupid little box, that dumb box that they put on the air. Now, guess what? You can't be wrong. You can't be wrong because all of America and all of the world knows when a ball is a ball. And look at us sitting at home, like with our beer and our chicken wings. And as we, they paint it three inches outside the corner, Whoa, that wasn't a strike. Like, yeah, okay, you wouldn't have known it if that stupid box wasn't there. So, like, now everyone is a critic, which they were before. But these guys have, like, the job is impossible. We've made it impossible for these guys. We talk about replacing them with robots, and I get it. But, like, let's give the guys some slack. There's replay now to, like, a crazy degree. It hasn't made the game better. It's supposed to make the game better. I am all for replay making the game better. But in so many ways, it has not made the game better. So what the heck is the point? Like, let's just let there be human error and let it be what it is if we're not going to get it right, even with replay. But home play dump for me takes the cake. That's, I mean, it's so thankless. You can't win. All right, so for me, mental, absolutely, Ash. Physical, I'm going to, I got a tie for you, Eric. And it doesn't happen much, but the potential for it is there because of the speed and the size of the athletes. This is an NFL official. Like, if you don't get out of the way or know where you are, I mean, I've been on the sidelines of some NFL playoff games. And I remember the first time I ever – Ashley and I have probably shot, what, Ash? A thousand high school football games, college football games, whatever. And you're used to that speed. 
It literally took me. I need, I needed an NFL training camp just to shoot highlights of an NFL playoff game because I wasn't used to the speed. The It was Patriots-Jets, the Bart Scott-like mm -hmm. can't wait game, right? Yeah. And I'm not kidding. There were two drives. I missed it on slants. I was like, where'd the football go? Yeah. Um, imagine being on the field where guys are 6'3", 6'5", 280. And, and they're coming, and it's ground. Right. Yeah, and guys are coming off the edge, and receivers are running slants and line. Now, again, you don't see officials get blown up often, right? Um, but the the danger is there. Like if you if you're not aware of where you are, you could get. And by the way, they're wearing about twenty five pounds worth of pads, helmets. <laughs> uh, so the physical danger is there. So the mental, absolutely, and especially with that pressure now. Um, you're not doing the home plate ump any favors by showing every pitch, you know, out, you're not doing them any favors. I, I agree with that. And with baseball, and I love baseball, but baseball already has, I don't want to say a problem. It's the game. If you mm -hmm. don't like the pace of it, go watch something else. I've always appreciated the pace of baseball. I hate when people, we got to speed it up. We got to speed it up. Nah, it's, it's good, good where it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but with the constant replays in baseball, I mean, come on, let's go. Uh, Yankees Red Sox game is already four and a half hours. Okay, we don't need it to be five. Um, so the mental home plate ump, and as far as the physical danger, um, it's it's NFL official. If you notice, none of us said anything about basketball because there's no danger. Yeah, no. Good yeah. challenge by Joe. The challenge flag would give you yeah. points on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think I, Eric, your but your position is, if you think about it, like you're in a smaller, more confined space with walls, and you, an NHL linesman, has all that danger with guys. First of all, they're wearing blades on their feet. Yeah. So like, yeah. God forbid you get a high skate, whatever, but you're just as liable to be taken out or part of a check or whatever, you know, into the boards. You see guys jumping out of the way, like a slap shot comes off the glass and ricochets. Like there is plenty of danger there too. So I think those are two really good ones. The NFL, uh, they're probably the most in shape yeah. of the, some right? of them. I mean, yeah, like an umpire doesn't have to, the white hat doesn't really, they don't really get after it yeah. too much. I mean, They're, to be able to change run. direction mm -hmm. on skate. That's why I've always said, I know I'm talking about officials, but this is why I've always said hockey players, hockey, you know, they never get the respect that they deserve at the highest levels, college, mm -hmm. NHL. I mean, to be able to fly up the ice as fast as they are and stop on a dime, change direction. And oh, by the way, you're handling a puck too. Right. Like, so it's. <laughs> well, and, and you said about the NFL refs too, is the, the line judge and those guys are in tough shape because of the play. But look at the guys behind the huddle, yep. the guys in the secondary. And plus, every play in the NFL could be a hold, yep. every single play. Yep. And Ashley, you talked about the box. We see every replay on every throw and say that was pass interference. That yep. wasn't pass interference. So if the guy throws this, everybody's like, that wasn't pass interference. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't throw it, it was pass interference. You can't win. But well, and there's the verbal abuse. guys, too. Those are guys who are lawyers, owners of companies. They're not yeah. full-time. Right. Like well, the NHL. I know it's less games, but those are older guys, yeah. and they have to get out of the way. I mean, I think that is very tough, Joe. And there is the verbal abuse on the sidelines. After every missed play, <laughs> right, you've got a Belichick. You've got so-and-so in this, and the line judges, I mean, they're in their ear constantly even, even at the uh, high school and college level it's at some point i'm like guys just let it go it's yeah. really fine like it's it's totally fine and you have the same problem with baseball to a certain extent like we see the replays because we have 
15 Fox or NBC camera yes. angles. Like imagine you're running down a sideline full speed and you've got one guy here and one guy here and you're screened by the defender. And if he's to the, in, you know, he's got his hands to the inside and you're on the outside, you're not going to see the hold. So you don't call it because you don't see it. Meanwhile, the camera on the other side or the camera that they have flying above you gets that. Well, yeah, no, duh. Like the camera can see it, but you, this guy has to see it with his two eyes to call it. And his two eyes were on the other side. So we just make it, I mean, we've made it so brutal for referees of all kinds because all we do is show replays of how wrong they were. And Eric, I think I had mentioned this before too. So the pass interference call is is brutal because it's so, it, you have to see what it is. And even it's when you fast. see it. Yeah, they if you see it, this. Yep. Is it really like, did he really grab? Did he impede? Did he just touch him? Like, whatever. Same with the block charge. Like, the block charge call in real time is almost impossible. It's almost impossible. They've tried to make it a little bit easier. So you have the arc. If you're out, if you're inside the arc, it's obviously a block. No, no doubt. If you're outside the arc, your feet have to be planted. This, this, and this before we took off. Like, it's the pass interference and the block charge call are two of the hardest ones on the planet. You both are in TV and you can relate to, to officials because there's no going back. You've both done live and you still do live television. Right. And I think that adds a perspective that both of you have that many of us don't, is that you're live and you're doing your shtick and you're great at it. But uh, these umpires, they're live and they don't get a makeup. They can't do it again. Just like at 625, you can't say, oh, we're going to go uh, to the weather and come back and retry. It doesn't right. work that way. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Listen, I've had my slip-ups. They're well-documented. <laughs> Ash is yeah, like, yeah, you can just do a Google search. Um, we know all about live TV, right, Joe? <laughs> yes, we do. Tough. Tough. Um, I think I wrote a couple other things here. Replay, I mentioned how I feel about replay. Love it or hate it. Do you guys love it or hate it? Do you are, are those our only ch options? Yeah, love it or hate it. Like I, I hate it. Yeah. Okay. I hate it. I I mean, in every sport, where do you draw the line? Do you allow replay on this or do you allow replay on that? You right. could do it on every single play. Is it going to be a, a strike? Because otherwise mm -hmm. the Yankee Red Sox game will last Tuesday through Friday. Mm -hmm. So I am not a fan. The, all of these sports are humans playing it. Let humans officiate it. Yeah. Now, I will say this. The, a big reason why, because replay has, when used properly, mm -hmm. right, uh, it has, you know, it, it's helped make the right sure. call, which in yep. the end is what it's about. But if we're only going to choose on either end of the spectrum, I would say hate it. And here's the main reason why. I can't tell you how many NBA games, like a buzzer beater, a buzzer beater. Everybody's running around like, oh, my God. Well, we got to wait for the replay to see if the <laughs> – and I'm like, it just kills the moment. Mm -hmm. Right? And you got a Mike Breen who's like, at the buzzer, yes, I think. <laughs> As an announcer, that's a buzzkill. That's guy. Yeah. Listen, we should get our boy Andrew Catalan on the phone, or whatever, yeah. or Doug Sherman, because I, I I guarantee you that somewhere in their careers they've been, you know, they they and you know, as an announcer, right? There's a couple of seconds. They're in a timeout. You're thinking, man, if he hits this, I'm going to say this, and yep. if he misses, I'm going to say that. And you're ready for this big moment, and they hit the buzzer beater, and, and then they're like, oh, and the officials are over at the scorers table to make sure that he got it off. We think he did. But let's see. So for yeah. me, it, it kills more of the, the the theatrics, the theater at the end of games. But I mean, especially yeah. with 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 the NBA stuff, you know, uh, right. Jeff Van Gundy, famous for just yeah. oh, and here we go again yeah. over those yeah. well, I hate this thing. Yeah, you know? I would say he he's not shy about saying anything. 
No. Can Ashley, can we get rid of the point one point one? Do we really need the point five point one? I mean, seriously, because we've seen was it the next game where there was like point eight left? Can they get a shot off? How? How? I mean, yeah, get rid of the point. It's two they seconds, can. one second. No more points. Yeah, they'll tell you they can. I'm not sure that that's true, but well, the science um, behind it is you always hear this that if it's anything less than point four, it's physically impossible. Right. Yeah, say so you can catch and shoot in point five. That's what they'll tell you. Depends on who you are. Well, unless you're DeAndre Ayton, and right. you want to play out, you know, playoffs. Right. Just yep. one of the great playoff plays. Yep. Like that was really yep. that was awesome. Again, yeah. a moment like that, it got they had to replay it for like yep. ten minutes. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm glad when they get it right, but unless you have a replay like tennis, and listen, the tennis replay is the greatest replay in all of sports. The tennis chair, the umpire is the easiest job in all of sports. They sit there, their linesmen make the calls, their lines people make the call in or out. The person says, I want a challenge. And they have this ridiculous computer generated and it paints the line for you. And, and it's like, you to ridiculous accuracy. Okay, they were right, they were wrong. Like the tennis ump chair, they take no, they have no effect on the game whatsoever. They don't even make calls. They just like, the, oh, you need to behave, or I'm going to call a point well, on you. I was like that say, one time that they got after Serena because she was misbehaving. Oh, we're going to take a point from you. Okay, that never happens. Like that job is so easy. Or there's always that clip of John McEnroe, like you over officious jerk. That's always great. That always makes yeah. me laugh. Um, yeah, you don't know the, uh, the 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 chair unless right something bad. You, you never do. It's like they shake their hand at the end, and it's like, what am I shaking your hand for? Like the replay system did it all, and your judge, your lines people, all the people you have around your ball boys, they did all the work. You're just sitting there making sure everything's going the way it's supposed to go. Tough. Tough life. Uh, if you're watching us, you can find us Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at MMMATB1. Joe Calderon is in for Sean Martin, who's on a little well-deserved vacay at the beach, which is nice. We'll have him back next week. Um, and Joe's topic this week, we're going to go a little bit around the world, JoJo, but let's start with Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, where you stand. I know we'll probably differ on this a little bit, where you stand on everything that's gone down in that department. Well, I think, listen, and, and Aaron Rodgers is clearly one of the top five most physically talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, right? He's not the greatest athlete, but he's a really, really good athlete. He can move in the pocket. He can make plays with his feet. He can throw on the run, throw, roll right, throw across his body, a dart 50 yards down the field. Nobody's ever arguing his physical talents. He has won a Super Bowl. Um, but I think the constant bashing of Packers front office people and executives, for me, gets a little old after a while. And I get that we're in a time where player empowerment is the thing. And yeah, and you need to ask Aaron Rodgers about personnel decisions and what kind of toilet paper you have at the facility, you know, three ply, I hope. Uh, like, come on, like, give me a break. Aaron Rodgers, as much as people want to defend him and say the Packers, they don't give him enough weapons and, and they're doing him a disservice with, with the draft picks that they make and everything else. Listen, and I'll get to the Jordan Love part in a second. But I, listen, first of all, the Super Bowl that they won, okay, he was the Super Bowl MVP, but go back and watch that playoff run. The Packers were a top five defense. And in the NFC Championship game against the Bears, it was that defense that won that NFC Championship game for the Packers. That's one. Two. Supposedly, for a front office that gives him no weapons and no help, I mean, 
people forget, like one of the best regular season teams in the last 20 years was that 2011 Packers team that went 15 and one and then just got slapped all over the field in the divisional game against the Giants. Like, go back and look at that roster. I mean, they had plenty of weapons. That's not front office. That's the guys that day just didn't play as well as the Giants did. That's not personnel. That's not front office. And then the 2014 NFC Championship game against the Seahawks, I mean, is that the front office's fault that they can't recover an onside kick? So there have been plenty of opportunities for the Packers to get to another Super Bowl and win that had nothing to do with the ineptitude of the Packers front office. I feel like it's like a fad now to just like if, if a superstar athlete doesn't win, well, clearly it's the front office that doesn't know what it's doing. Here's a number. Here's a stat for you. Since 1991, 30 years, the three most successful franchises in the NFL wins all this. Patriots, Steelers, and guess who's number three? Packers. Why? Because they don't fall in love with any particular player. I mean, look at the Bre- transitioning over to the Brett Favre situation. Brett Favre is one of the all-time greats. And Brett Favre clearly showed that after his days with Green Bay, he still had a couple of years of really great football left in him. And what happened? There's just a, hey, and I get it. He was retiring, unretiring, and all that stuff. But what did they do? They drafted Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because they needed an insurance plan for when Brett Favre was gone. That's what great franchises do. They don't let the emotions get in the way. They're always thinking about how can we put the best product out on the field? So they drafted Aaron Rodgers while Brett Favre was still there. And Aaron Rodgers had an opportunity to sit and learn. And then when the, the Favre era was over, they handed the keys off to Aaron Rodgers. And here we go with another 15 years of great Packers football. So the fact that he was upset, and I get it, that he was upset that they drafted Jordan Love well, maybe now you might have a little bit more of an appreciation for what Brett Favre went through when they drafted you in 2005, right? But this this constant banging on like, oh, the Packers, they're inept and they don't know how to take care. The last time I checked, the Packers, you can give all the credit in the world to Aaron Rodgers if you want, but if you go back and you watch those games, uh, there were a lot of guys that had a hand in it. They, for a franchise that's such a disaster – They've had two consecutive 13-3 and three seasons, and they've been in the NFC Championship game the last two full seasons. There's about 30 other NFL teams that would love to be that disastrous of a franchise. Okay, I got to breathe. All right. <laughs> Go ahead, Ash. This is, right. this is yeah, excellent. I, so I agree with parts. I disagree with parts. I think I, I agree with him being upset. Listen, they were one, they were in the NFC championship game and they were a few really good players away and they drafted a backup quarterback. Like that's not going to get you to the, to the Super Bowl with the current quarterback you have. They are notorious for not spending first round picks. And I get it. It's, it's, it is what it is, but they haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round in, in his whole time in Green Bay. They have not given him first-round talent. He's the most first uh, touchdowns he's thrown for, to a first-round draft pick. I think it was like Martellus Bennett, who they didn't even draft. Like, that's – or Mercedes Lewis, rather. Like, that's that sucks. And that and I get how that you kind of feel slighted there. And, why like, why draft my backup quarterback when I'm just going to go win the MVP – and the season a season after and we're going to be good enough to win I just need a little bit of help the other thing I disagree with is like that man never opened his mouth 
He never said a thing about the front office. It was everybody around him. Like, that's the one thing I'm like, he did all this. He achieved all this without ever getting in front of a camera and without ever saying, like, my front office sucks. And I get it. Who knows? Like, yeah, but I'll say this, Ash. He's a listen. He's one of the smartest guys yeah. in the NFL, no doubt. These people are directly speaking for. He's smart enough to know. I pay people or my people around me. I'll tell them this. They'll leak it out. They'll speak for me, and then I can say, just like you said, what you did you physically did you see me say it? Yeah. I mean, now he's starting to open up a little bit at his press conferences. He's I thought he was great at his press conference. Oh, he's he said great. all he's... of the right things. Every single thing he said was right. Yeah, I mean, listen, I will agree to disagree. Yeah, I, I, yeah. My, my, my thing is with him is like there have been opportunities mm -hmm. for the Packers to win. Okay, let's say they, on, they recover the onside kick and they go to the Super Bowl, right? Or they, they actually, that 15-1 and one season, they don't get slapped all around in that divisional game at home. I mean, we could be talking about Aaron Rodgers, two or three Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. And then is it like, okay, but again, here's another example. And I'm not putting Jimmy Garoppolo uh, anywhere near the Aaron Rodgers neighborhood. Okay, but. Thank you. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, that disclaimer, like I had to you know, preface it by saying that, like you wouldn't have figured it out on your own. But the bottom line is the Niners are saying, okay, listen, if healthy, we have a guy that we know can get us to a Super Bowl because he did. When he was healthy a couple of years ago when they lost to Kansas City, he threw for like 4,400 yards, 27 touchdowns. But what did they do? They traded three number one draft picks to move up to get Trey Lance. Why? Because they're saying, okay, we're thinking future. And there's something about Trey Lance, which I don't get. But we see something in him that we think this guy could be the next Patrick Mahomes. Or at least you're better because if you trade away three number one picks plus a third round draft pick, this guy better be a franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. So the great – like Bill Belichick, people can say whatever they want about Bill Belichick. That guy's not thinking about – like you could you could literally take a bullet for him. And he'd be like, thank you so much. <laughs> I can get two first rounds for this guy. Trade him. And that's how they stay successful. And that's how you have a run of – 15, 20 years of not just being a playoff team, but always being in the conversation of being a Super Bowl contender. Can't let your emotions get in the way. I just thought, and, and maybe it's not Aaron Rodgers as much as it's the pundits on every talk show where it's the cool, like they're just constantly bashing the GM, bashing this guy and that guy. Listen, the bottom line is whether it's because of Aaron Rodgers or a combination of Aaron Rodgers and the players, because I tell you right now, Devontae Adams is a heck of a player. Right, John, uh, James Jones, all these like they're good players, and I honestly don't see another place where Aaron Rodgers could go to, outside of like Cleveland or something, right? Where he's got a better situation than he has right now in Green Bay. I really don't. Yeah. So you know, I hope for his sake, for Green Bay's sake, that they can really. I know that there's all the talk about like, well, he's going to play this year, and then maybe he's gone next year. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I think the two best, the two options you have are you stay in Green Bay because to me that gives you the best chance to win, or retire. Because where else? I mean, any team that's a quarterback away, they already have a quarterback. Like really, when you think about it, where's he going to go? Well, let me put it this way: I'm going to compare the Drew Brees situation to him in mm. a second. But but what I, I do want to say is right now, 
on the field and in camp, Aaron Rodgers has looked sharp. He's looking good. He's shutting it all out. He's playing very well. So we'll give him that. I think part of this is the frustration that he didn't get the Jeopardy gig. Well, the fact <laughs> is, Aaron, is that uh, no offense, but Alex Trebek can't quarterback the Packers. Okay. So uh, no offense. He did a fine job, but this is your job. This is your legend. Now I'm going to make a statement that could have been said way back. All right. Love has the talent and hopefully can focus on his reps and try to shut out the stuff. He has a strong arm. You could say this had been said. Rogers, the kid, has the talent and hopefully can focus on the reps and try to shut out the stuff. Why? I'm with you both ways here, but why Aaron Rodgers would put this kid through what he went through, I thought it would be the other way around. Now, yes, there were a ton of other players they could have picked Ashley. This was the year of the wide receiver, mm -hmm. so he was probably very upset they didn't take that. But the guy's in his late 30s. I'm sorry. The same thing with Brady. Brady was getting upset, but the fact is, I guess he can play till he's 45. Peyton Manning said he'll, he'll go to his induction in 15 years. We have legends here. They had Bart Starr. They, they've had legends throughout that franchise's history in the smallest market in professional sports with the most devoted, wonderful people. So all I ask of Aaron Rodgers is if you go next year, don't go to the Vikings. I mean, really. <laughs> the Green Bay people don't deserve that again. And to see Favre as a Jet was like seeing Namath as a Ram. You know, it doesn't work. It's just like me seeing Boggs as a Yankee. There's certain things that you think about. But just briefly on that, I think, I think Aaron is a bit frustrated, but when I bring up Drew Brees, when there was a bad play, we all know that non-call, okay? You don't see Drew Brees complain. You don't mm -hmm. see him complain at all. He went into a situation, the Saints, known as the Aints, during a hurricane area, and he took a chance to revive his career in a situation that nobody, probably Orlovsky, wouldn't have even stepped into. And Drew Brees is class. I still think Aaron Rodgers is class, but... I think he could learn from Drew Brees, Drew Brees, the way that he went out, and he's a legend in New Orleans, no hard feelings. I hope it won't take 10 years for, for people to put Rodgers back on the pedestal, and I hope he has a big year, and the way he looks right now, probably will. Yeah, I think the one thing that maybe separates, like while we compare the Aaron Rodgers situation to the Jordan Love situation, is Jordan Love was a reach as a late first-round pick. Aaron Rodgers was not a reach as a late first round pick. Like everybody knew coming out of Cal that he was going to be a first or second round quarterback. I'm not sure that everyone thought Jordan Love coming out of Utah State was going to be a late first round pick. And so that's like, that's the thing. When the, the Packers did it, it was almost like, like I remember waking Chris up. He said, wake me up when the Packers pick. And I woke him up and I said, they took Jordan Love. And he goes, the quarterback? And I'm like, yes, the quarterback. And he was like, why? And I'm like, but that was every every Packers fan's reaction, I think, because at the time they didn't need a quarterback, and this is a guy similar to Daniel Jones that they, they could have gotten in the second or third rounds after they had taken a stud receiver or what you know what I mean. So I think that is why people don't maybe compare it quite the same because Aaron Rodgers wasn't the reach that Jordan Love is. Yeah. I hope I hope Jordan Love is awesome, and I hope Aaron Rodgers finishes his career the way he wants to, but I hope Jordan Love gets his shot just like Aaron Rodgers did. And Joe, a few weeks ago on a previous cast, and Ashley, to tie in her point, is she said the toughest, most important job in sports is the quarterback in the NFL. Oh, it's not even close. Yeah, it's yes. – And especially when you look at the rules – Like, listen, this is why as a 
proud card-carrying member of the San Francisco 49ers fan club. I hope the Niners know what the heck they're doing in trading away. Did I mention two future first-round picks and a number three? So they gave the Miami Dolphins three first-round picks and a third-round pick to move up to get Trey Lance because if he doesn't, I mean, that's a career-defining move by Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Yep. He has like I hate to say it this way because I, I hate to franchise be the changing move. He has to be. Mm-hmm. If you're telling your fan base, we think this guy is not just a franchise because we'd say there's a lot of guys that were franchise quarterbacks, right? But you're saying with that move, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer to me. Like mm-hmm. you're three number ones and a, and a third round pick to move up to get him at number three. You're saying this guy is going to win you Super Bowls. <laughs> Plural, more than one, because you're you're the first thing I thought is like, well, this guy better be Patrick Mahomes. If you're giving away that much, because you have a team even with Jimmy Garoppolo, again, health being the thing, they've already proven they can get to a Super Bowl with Jimmy. It wasn't his fault that the defense gave up three touchdowns in the final six minutes of the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Now, maybe he hits Emmanuel Sanders on that scene. Maybe it's a different game. Maybe, but. People keep placing the blame on Jimmy Garoppolo for the Niners losing that Super Bowl, no. and, and, it, and it wasn't his fault. So you've already proven that you can get to a Super Bowl. And last year, I mean, no Bosa. Kittle was gone for eight or nine games. Garoppolo was gone for a bunch. Like, yeah. this is going to be – when if, if they're all healthy, this is going to be a team that's going to be right back in the thick of things. Yeah. So that's – you know. I mean – yeah, they were devastated. Listen, they were lucky to pick where they did. They were so devastated by yeah. injuries. If they were if they were as good as they should have been, they would have never had a shot to get him or anyone else no. of that caliber. So, you know what? Joe, you'll love this stat though. I read this and it's I know it's arbitrary, but his 80-yard Trey's 80-yard touchdown pass in the preseason game. I saw that. Already longer than any Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown in the NFL. Or <laughs> the yard, yards after the catch. Yards in the air. I understand. Yeah. But it's funny. It's kind of funny. Listen, I tell you right now, in Big Red, if he still has the text, so when they made that trade with the Dolphins, I said, you know what I'd love to see him do? And it would never happen because of how many picks and, and, and again, three first-rounders, you couldn't do this. I tell you right now, I said, if I were the Niners, I would throw everybody for a loop. And I would, with the third pick, I'd take Kyle Pitts. Put him on the other side across from George Kittle. <laughs> Kittle, Pitts, Debo Samuels. Yep. Uh, you know, Brendan uh, uh, Ayuk. And woo, yeah. there's an offense for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. now they're not going to do it because who would trade three number one picks for a tight end? But right. um, you watch in Atlanta, he's going to light it up. Yeah. No, he's well, in honor of your dog, Ashley, last point I want to make on this is that when I saw Bill Belichick's gorgeous dog in the draft room and I hear all <laughs> these pundits and I said, you know what? The dog knows more about the draft than I do. And I'll admit it. Yeah. No doubt. I know. I always think, oh, I don't know who any of these guys. After I get out of like the top 10 or 15, I'm like, oh, I don't know that guy. Um, all right. Across the board, this is our favorite part of the show. It's what the show's named after. So we're going to do it up. Uh, you're watching Eminem and M across the board. You can find us Apple, YouTube, Spotify, um, Twitter at MMMATB1. And this is how we wrap up every show. We write something on our whiteboard, throw it up there and get on our soapbox for a minute. Eric, you want to start? Roger Federer. I hope I pronounced it correctly. I love the way they that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Okay. Now I bring it up now because is the end near? He's having his fourth knee surgery, 
And I think he only has two knees. So that means multiple knee surgeries and will miss the U.S. Open. And he says he's out for many months. Okay, we can read into that. But let me throw some numbers, Joe. This is really cool. Ranked number one for 310 weeks, 230 straight weeks, number one. Who in the world can say that in any profession? Okay. And I'm not even number one in my house. Okay. For two straight weeks. <laughs> some weeks I'm number five behind the two cats. Now, 20 Grand Slam titles. He's tied with Rafi Nadal and Novak Djokovic, who had just won Wimbledon. So the big three is their call. And as Ashley said, the big three, it's a great time. No question. She's right about that for tennis. 103 ATP singles titles, second behind Jimmy Connors, seven Wimbledons, five U.S. Opens. Stefan Edberg Sportsmanship Award 13 times. 13! 13 more than John McEnroe. Ranked first with $100 million in endorsements. Joe, this is amazing. Of all athletes as of 2020, that's Teflon. No controversy. Ranked among all the athletes, all the endorsements. Nobody's pulling endorsements from Roger Federer. No need to. He is class. There's been no issues. He's just got greatness. Now, is he the greatest ever in tennis? If you package all that in with the numbers, you got to consider it. So... I think it's time to give him some love because we may not ever see him again after the surgery. And if we do, he won't be the same. And I close it with a Boris Becker quote. This really opened my eyes. Roger has earned the right to go out on the terms that he likes. He has been the most popular player ever and taken interest around the world to new heights in the sport, giving more to the game than anyone has done before. What a remarkable man. Not just an athlete, but what a remarkable person. I tell you right now, I think – and I'm a big Andre Agassi guy. I loved Andre Agassi. That's my favorite tennis player of all time. Now, he doesn't have anywhere near the, the resume, clearly. Uh, but we really witnessed for the last 15 years with Serena and Venus and Federer and Nadal and Djokovic. I mean, you put those five together, it's like 100 grand slams. Like, it's insane. Like, we got a chance to – and listen, I'm sure in 30 years, the athletes are – you know, it's, there's always going to be – you know, the athletes in the next generation will always be bigger, faster, stronger, or whatever. But when you talk about accomplish, I mean, it's the golden era of, of tennis to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, all I'm going to say, he's my all-time favorite. He's my all-time great. But when all is said and done, Djokovic has too much of a career left. He'll end up with too many more majors than him. And I also think people think that Djokovic is a pretty good dude too. No problems. Like um, it'll be tough for him to go down as the greatest ever because of the two guys he's still competing against, but he's my all time favorite. I love the guy. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time. Um, So I hope we see him again, but at his age, who knows? So, and I think what makes that neat is the whole Federer Djokovic and and Nadal Nadal. triangle thing is, is that they've all been able to beat each other at certain times. Like for a while, it was like, nobody's beating Nadal on clay. And I, and I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. It's happened once uh, that like, I think Federer beat him at least once on clay and they've been able to beat each other. They've had like runs of where they've beat each other three or four straight times. Uh, So I think it was neat because that's where the debate is going to be when they all three finally hang it up. It's like you could make an argument for why the one was clearly the greatest of all time. Yep. So it's really and the cool. other two will be at the third guy's induction in Newport, Rhode Island because yep. of the class. You see yeah. it after they compete. Real class. Yep. 
All right, Jojo, I know you got to go soon, so get on your soapbox. Nah, don't worry about it. Okay, so, you know, and I know we're in 2021, so this might stir up some stuff here. Okay, so um, my thing, <laughs> I don't have a board. I just got it on the back of an uh, envelope here, and it is ESPN Stop Ellipsis Tim Tebow. Now, my rant is going to be this. So anybody who knows me knows that I think Tim Tebow is one of the greatest college football players, college athletes of all time. He's one of my favorite athletes. Full disclosure, he wasn't that great at quarterback in the NFL. I think we all know that. It's been well documented. And when you can only complete about 30% of your passes and you've only thrown like five in a game, you might want to move on to something else, which Tim Tebow did. He left the game, came back eight years later, and wanted to try out with the Jacksonville Jaguars to try to make their 53-man roster at tight end. Now, when he did that, there was a lot of humming and hollering and, oh, my God, why would he get that opportunity? It's not fair. Well, connect the dots. It's clear why he got the opportunity. Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it is no secret, although I will say I think Urban Meyer is a little sleazy. Um, he loves himself some Tim Tebow, and he should because – the reason why Urban Meyer keeps getting these opportunities, the Ohio State job and the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars job, is because of the success that he had at Florida, which Tim Tebow had a huge part in. He won him a national championship. <laughs> he was actually a part of two national championships, won a Heisman Trophy. And let's just be honest, he is the, the, the perfect golden boy, perfect poster child for diversion if there are some certain things going on in your program, right? You know, you do a little digging and you find out that Florida wasn't always on the up and up. And when you started to do some digging, it'd be like, oh, have you met Tim Tebow? He loves Jesus and he's a great guy. Let's put him out there so you kind of get diverted. So the reason why I get upset is because the other day on ESPN's first take, when he got cut, which was predictable by all of us, when, when he – join the Jags. I'm like, there's no way in heck that he's going to be able to, to make this team at tight end. He hasn't played in the NFL in eight years, and he's never played the position. ESPN's take during a segment with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman was, well, if Tim Tebow was black, he wouldn't have gotten this opportunity. That's ridiculous. Because in a parallel universe, if there was, you have white Tim Tebow here and black Tim Tebow here, and they were the same person. And they did the same philanthropic things. And they did all the great things to help Urban Meyer progress his career. I promise you, he would have gotten the same opportunity. He got that because Urban Meyer loved him, had <coughs> nothing to do with race. In fact, if you want to make an argument, you could just say it was unfair, period. Because we know there's a lot of fringe guys trying to make a roster. And Tim Tebow maybe unfairly got that position. But he got it because he... Urban Meyer loved him. Bottom line. So ESPN, stop. You can't bring race into everything. This is a point where it's like it had nothing to do with that. Did I miss something? I no, know. you didn't. But I got a I got a guest here. He's on vacation. Yeah. John Martin. Look at the sunscreen. I, I know he wanted to sound <laughs> off on Tim Tebow, and I I think he agrees with some of Joe and probably doesn't agree with some of Joe. Shawnee, how's you got hey. some sunburn? What's up, no, I, I, I'm in Cape Cod. I don't have my whiteboard, so this is the sunscreen white nose segment <laughs> for me. So here's the thing. Here's what here's what got me riled up. On CBS Sports, uh, by some chowderhead named Brian, I don't even want to know his last name, 
put a ranking out there after the Tebow cut listing Tebow's released by the Jags as one of the top 10 NFL cuts of all time, listing him with Jerry Rice being let go by the Niners, Peyton Manning, Emmett Smith. I couldn't finish the list. I was nauseated. Yeah, that's Here's absurd. the thing with Tebow. He came back as to me a publicity stunt for Urban Meyer. And you know what? That's Urban Meyer's call. That's not my problem. He did take a spot in that camp from a team. But again, that's Urban Meyer's got to deal with that with his teammates. It was a marketing ploy and fine. And we give Meyer some credit. At least he cut him when, you know, some of those attempted blocks went viral the other day. And that was just god awful. Oh, I woke up one of my kids. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Guest cameo. So here's the deal. Get your seatbelt on. As Joe said, Tito's one of the great college players of all time. And my twin boys will be five in a couple of weeks. And if they're half the person Tebow appears to be, by all accounts, then my wife and I will have done a great job. Mm -hmm. But he's not an NFL quarterback. If there was a decathlon, professional decathlon league, Tebow would be in it. If there was a Hall of Fame for great people, great athletes, Tebow would be in it. But it's like that Seinfeld episode where George double dips the chip and Timmy comes over and says, take a dip, eat the chip, and end it. Okay, same thing. End it. I had interest in Tebow playing minor league baseball. Good for him. Hey, try it out. But he's not an NFL player. Let's move on. And for those people, yeah, look, he was a great college football player. I got to just mention this just so I can sleep tonight. The people that use the argument that Tebow won two uh, college football championships, he didn't, not as a quarterback. He was a backup fullback as a freshman. Chris, Chris Leak won that first yes. one. I'm biased. Tommy Frazier's the best college quarterback of all time. That's why I'm bringing that up. But, yeah, so, Joe, by the way, Joe, great seeing you on here, man. It's great hearing your voice. Um, I just needed to get that off my chest. Once I read that story on CBS Sports, I just – that just did it for me. But uh, with that, I will let you go. I'm going to go back to the Cape at Shark Wrestling at uh, 3 o'clock today. All right. <laughs> Sean, all good seeing you, brother. Save some sun. Back oh, and and I, want, I wanted to not rebuttal, because I agree with a ton of what yeah, you're yeah. saying. But yeah. Tim Tebow, and I think I worded it this way, he was a part of two. He really led them to the year he won the Heisman. Um, and I'm glad that, Sean, my whole point has been, I think if you guys listened to my soliloquy before Sean jumped on, we're on the same page. I love Tim Tebow. I think he's one of the greatest college football players of all time. He, if he isn't, he will be in the college football hall of fame, his impact on and off the field. I mean, the guy's taking missions. He's going into like maximum security prisons and speaking to people about like, get your life together. Like who does these things? So in the wonderful person hall of fame, he's there. I agree. I mean, I will admit it was it was hilarious to see him in that playoff game against the Steelers the year the Broncos went 8-8 and won the AFC West and beat the Steelers in that game and then just got obliterated by the Patriots the next week. So that was fun. But, yes, if, if you watch the NFL, you can tell he is not an NFL quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But my point is, is that with a lot of things, okay, and I don't want to get too philosophical here, there is a lot of examples of where you could absolutely point to racism and how it affects things and turnouts and hiring practices and all that. But to say that if Tim Tebow was black, that he wouldn't get this opportunity, it's just false. If you want to word it in a way where you say, well, this is just an unfair opportunity. For I guarantee you there were white tight ends who were like, what the heck? 
Like, did you see him block? Like, and I can't, like, he couldn't block a four-year-old from a juice box, like, in the preseason. Like, come on. So my, my, my issue was you can't bring race into everything. They force-fed it into this, and that bothered Ashley, last point that I just want to say, if if I'm ever uh, if I only have like two dollars in my pocket and I'm wandering around Gainesville, I'll give Tim Tebow a call. I'll have a nice dinner. I'll I mean, he'll treat me like gold because that's he is Mr. Gainesville. But I'm not a fan when working with minor league baseball teams to see a celebrity like Jordan take a slot from a kid that has a future in baseball. The odds are already tough enough in the NFL. Uh, so that's the only thing I'd say. But Tim Tebow was a class act. He got to play his his fun try, and now it's time to focus on his brother. And listen, in, def- in, in defense, right, like uh, Stephen A. Smith and, and, and Max Kellerman, so we want to be transparent and tell the full story, they waxed poetically about how he's a great human being and they love him and all those things. But then Max Kellerman asked Stephen A., point blank, if you thought he was black, would he get no? And it's just it's just not the case. It has nothing to do with it. All right, last one. We'll stop wasting your time. You guys know who she is? Did you see her name out there? So hmm. Maria Andrejcik. Uh, this woman won a silver medal in Tokyo. And she, she, she sold Polish it. Polish javelin thrower. Great story. And she put her, she put her uh, silver medal up for auction to the highest bidder because she saw a GoFundMe slash fundraising campaign for a Polish infant who needed heart surgery. And she thought, well, this is my way to do it. I can sell my medal for however much I can get, and I'm going to help get this kid heart surgery. So she put her silver medal up for auction. A Polish supermarket gave her $125,000 for it. That money then went to this kid and his family so that he, I believed he could go to Stanford to get heart surgery. Yes. The supermarket then handed her back her medal and said, this was very noble of you. What a gesture. But you take your medal back. We'll pay for his surgery, whatever. Like, yeah, (laughs) I put a heart on there because it's just one of those stories that like it makes you feel good inside. And I love it so much that I don't know who she is. And I hope more people know her name because it's awesome to have people like her, like a Tim Tebow. It's awesome to have a Maria Andrzejczyk, someone who is willing to give she probably worked her whole freaking life to win that silver medal. And she heard something and was willing to sacrifice it without even thinking to help save a kid's life. Unbelievable. We need more stories like that. We need it. We do. Isn't it remarkable? It's remarkable that that she took something that she's worked her whole life for. Whole life. For this opportunity and gets it and immediately thinks of this person who she may not even know or have I don't think she did, yeah. That's remarkable. I have been in hospitals with uh, athletes, and uh, we're not talking about big-name athletes. When you're a student athlete in college or whether you're a professional, young or old, if you go to a hospital and a, and a kid sees you, their face lights up. And they may not have a lot of time left, but there's a smile on their face. There's a smile on the parents, the nurses, the, the doctors. If you can put a smile on somebody that, that doesn't have a lot to smile about. Yep. Okay. It doesn't take such an extraordinary effort like that, that if there's an athlete watching this, high school, college, pro, take some time during your season because you're in the news and the papers, the TV, whatever, and just make a visit because you can make an impact on somebody. And what she did is absolutely remarkable. And it's it's 
people would say she sacrificed. No, she sacrificed to get the gold, but she didn't sacrifice anything now. She opened up her heart, and we need a lot more of that. God yeah. love her. Love it. Agreed. Love it. Yeah, can't say much more, right? Can't do any better than that. Right, where well, you can't end it better. That, that's a walk-off. Yeah, she walked it off, definitely. JoJo, thanks for being with us. We hope you... But next time I go on vacation or Eric goes on vacation, we'll, uh, we're going to give you a ring. Listen, anytime somebody calls me and says, hey, you want to talk for an hour straight? <laughs> I, know, I know. You're you're in, no doubt. You've been watching Eminem and M across the board. JoJo, thanks for being with us. Eric, will do it again next week. You can find Thank us you, Apple. You're welcome. Apple, YouTube, Spotify, and Twitter. And we hope you join us next week. See you guys later.